Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. When you've had enough, when you just don't give a fuck anymore, when you have found the hill you are ready to die on, the sword you are ready to fall on, when your bridges are engulfed in flames around you, and you are the one holding the match, you may find yourself talking to me. It's been a while since the Canada Land Studio has been the scene for an exit interview, but today, today we break our dry spell. At least I think we do. I think Jesse Hirsch, who is, uh, of course, the longtime tech columnist for the biggest radio show in Toronto, Metro Morning, I think he's been doing that show for like, I don't know, two decades. He's been on many other shows on CBC as well. I think Jesse is done at the CBC. I mean, after he did this on the air, what other outcome could there possibly be? Why does CBC trust Facebook? 
Why does every outlet on CBC tell its listeners to go like them on Facebook? Or not just CBC, but other journalistic entities as well. But we're CBC, right. so I'm not, I don't care about the mm-hmm. other journalist entities. Why do the people at CBC mandate that CBC personnel promote Facebook? Yeah. Why does CBC continue to engage in commercial relationships with Facebook? Now that it's clear to us that Facebook is a threat to democracy and CBC as a public broadcaster should be strengthening democracy. So I would like to hear from the senior managers of this corporation, which I do not work for very clearly. And further, every time I've appeared on this show to talk about Facebook, Facebook has complained to CBC and CBC has not defended me or has not defended our right to have these conversations, well, although Metro having, Morning we're does. We're still having them, yeah. Right? And, and, and that to me is, is the hypocrisy of our reporting on Facebook that we talk about it, but as a company, we do nothing. Jesse, thank you. Hopefully I'll come back. But if not, thanks everybody. Jesse Hirsch, our technology columnist on Metro Morning. That is how he ended his most recent and um, perhaps his last column on Metro Morning, a column that was supposed to be simply about the evils of Facebook. Facebook, after all, has recently been revealed by the New York Times to have had plenty of advanced knowledge about Russian election meddling. They did nothing. They also knew about anti-Rohingya propaganda that was used to motivate a massacre. They did nothing about that. And it's not just about their neglect. There was also active fuckery. They hired a Breitbart-connected Dirty Tricks PR firm to smear their enemies and to spread anti-Semitic George Soros conspiracy theory fake news nonsense about their enemies. Facebook is looking very shitty right now. And you can almost kind of get away with saying so on the CBC, you know, because the New York Times said so first. But to then call out the CBC for its ties to Facebook, that is just not done. And so Jesse Hirsch has been thrown under the CBC's bus. Management has publicly decried his column, deemed it substandard and inaccurate. Matt Galloway, the host of Metro Morning, has declined to support Hirsch. And I just want to say this to those of you outside of Toronto who might not know who Jesse Hirsch or Matt Galloway are or or particularly care. I want to say this, through this incident, we are getting insight into a pretty big question about our public broadcaster. Specifically, can you criticize the CBC on the CBC? I think maybe you can't. I think that Jesse Hirsch might be out of a job. He's going to join me in a minute. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Colin Blackie, Mike Menzies, Terrence Lee, Haley Thompson, Spencer Shevlin, Taylor Florian, Preet Litter, and Cullen Bird. Hello, I'm Colin Bird, and I'm currently working as an English teacher in Japan. I support Canada Land because Canada Land provides a platform for media criticism and interesting discussions with people I don't usually hear from. And I want to know what's happening in Thunder Bay. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. 
but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. I consider technology journalism filler. So when there isn't other breaking news, they say, hey, let's fill time with technology. So it's been sporadic. And the irony is, like, I think I've had a 25-year relationship with CBC that was always informal. Yeah. Right? Always as a freelancer, never with a commitment, always with a, hey, maybe show up, except for the eight or nine-year stint I had with syndication, where that was like a regular shift. But the last two or three years, Metro Morning's been a regular. So honestly, I don't know. Other than that in that editorial they published, they called me a columnist rather than an ex-columnist. So I might infer from that that they think that they're going to call me in the future. But I haven't heard a word from them since this episode started other than that op-ed. So I don't know where I stand with them. And I certainly don't know what they think either of this particular episode or of my status. This brings up so many interesting things because I think that to people listening at home, there's a a stable of contributors. It's the fun Metro Morning family. They're all hanging out in the morning talking to you about different things. And here's our tech guy. It's Jesse Hirsch. That's been that way for how long? Since Andy Barry. Since Andy Barry. Yeah. Andy Barry brought me on. He was a big fan of mine. They had a tech columnist from syndication at the time and they refused to work with him. And instead, Andy was adamant that I be their tech columnist. Yeah. So Andy Barry was really one of my first champions and they would have me on regular. And then when syndication picked me up, I stayed with Metro Morning. And then when syndication dropped me, there was a break where they gave someone else to Metro Morning. And then Matt Galloway said, no, I want Jesse. I, I, I insist that we have Jesse as our tech columnist. So on the one hand, I have had recently a relationship with Metro Morning, but they don't have resources. So they can't really commit to putting me on the air because they don't have the money. Metro Morning doesn't have Metro resources? Metro Morning does not have resources. It is the marquee show of, of Toronto CBC Radio. It is, it's got the biggest ratings of any show. It's on their TV as well as radio. It always seemed to me to be the most resourced. They're overworked and underpaid by a huge margin. Okay. Ridiculous margin. I, I mean, there's so much stuff I want to, I mean, I, I remember when I went from being a tech host to being a tech contributor at large and Metro Morning was one show that I wanted to get on and, and Nick there said like, yeah, your problem is Jesse Hirsch. <laughs> We're not going to have two tech Jessies. Um, 
I suspect that if you are out of a gig, you won't know it. And the way that it works when you are, though to the listener, they might be hearing a host, they might be hearing a contributor, they might be hearing you for years and years and years. They don't know that you are not on staff, that there is no formal, and you know, and, and what that allows management to do is if there's ever a problem, they never fired you because they never hired you. Well, and- you know, I will say that what happened on Monday was spontaneous. But as I was sitting in the control room waiting to go on, I was thinking of Kevin Frankish. And I was looking at CP24, and I was thinking about how he got disappeared a year ago. Tell everybody about that. So he, he was a host of CP24, and he was told that it was his last show while he was on the air, before the last segment was out. And he used uh, Twitter, Periscope, their live broadcast, to quickly tell his audience he was off the air. But then he was gone. Uh-huh. And, and that's the policy. That's how the media industry deals with on-air people is they disappear them. Yeah. Because they're worried about those network moments. They're worried about people using their last show to say what they really feel rather than toe the line. And there was a part of me thinking, like, I decided, as soon as Matt invited me to go where I want, I thought, you know, I should take this to the CBC. And then as soon as I did that, I thought, uh, they're probably going to can you if you do. So I was like, all right, I better say goodbye. Because <laughs> you know, there's great likelihood that that was going to be it. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you a little bit more before our conversation is done here on just how spontaneous it was. But uh, I think first we have to deal with the content of this on-air column itself because the CBC has taken a public position against that column, and and in I'm not going to say in detail because there's a certain vagueness to to their reply, but they have taken some very specific points. And it's it's a serious charge to say that a broadcaster, not just that you broke the rules, I'd say more serious than that is is that you were inaccurate. That matters a lot. And that is a, a smear against your reputation to anyone who's considering working with you. So I think you got to respond to this stuff. And let's do it point for point here. The official management word on the editor's blog as to why you failed to meet their journalistic standards and practices, they say that you made several sweeping statements that were unsubstantiated and in some cases actually untrue. For instance, you said that CBC employees were mandated to promote Facebook. And CBC says, "Uh uh-uh, not true. Is that true? I believe it was true. I believe that it is still true in an unspoken way. And this is where I wish they would debate me. Like, this is where I wish, instead of putting this statement out there, they would, you know, like in a court of law, allow both sides to speak to each other. Because there was a time, yes, when CBC mandated that all hosts go on Facebook and go on Twitter. And there were many hosts who did not want to, who for various different personal reasons did not want to use social media. And it was the corporate policy that anyone on air also had to be on social media. Uh-huh. And that further, there was a separate corporate policy which said, tell everyone to like us on Facebook. So I wasn't saying that everyone had to go and endorse Facebook, like, hey, everyone, we like Facebook. But there was a period in which overnight, Facebook became part of the marketing strategies, of the audience relations strategies. And I don't fault them for making those judgments. But now, after the fact, when we realize that maybe we shouldn't have been helping Facebook get richer, I think it is a time to reflect on the effect of those policies. Like, what happened because CBC decided that all of their properties and all of their personalities were going to plug social media? Well, that certainly gives social media a lot of weight, a lot of trust, a lot of credibility. And that's what I was calling into question. So if CBC wants to say that that is not currently our policy, I will acknowledge that. 
but it certainly was at one time. And I reckon that if any host or any show were to take an anti-Facebook policy and were to end their show by saying, do not like us on Facebook, do not use Facebook, they would be reprimanded and they would not be allowed to do that. I mean, that would be weird, I suppose, too, but... Uh... It would be comical. It would be <laughs> attention-getting. Okay, so to clarify your point, you're saying that that not as a matter of just sort of like, uh, you know, loose, casual practice. No, there was a policy. You must not... And to be specific about this, on your show, encourage people to engage with the show on Facebook. That was policy for on-air personalities. And they were asked to go on Facebook themselves and, and sort of be emissaries of the CBC on the Facebook platform. Yes. And, and you know this just as a person who's worked with CBC. And, and because hosts complained to me. Uh-huh. And because as the person in the CBC who is associated with being critical of these things, I had many CBC people complain to me. I think, Which, uh, yeah. And I think this is a semantic argument, right? I think all the arguments I've had with the CBC are because we don't see the world in the same way. And I see something as passive as like us on Facebook as being an endorsement of Facebook because you're literally telling people to go and use Facebook. Yes. And, and I think a lot of people listening right now are like, wait a second, didn't Jesse say uh, like us on Facebook and you'll get our content in our feed? And for a time I did because, first of all, we get more people to read our stuff that way. And uh, when you like us on Facebook, we now have access to you. When we do our crowdfunding, our ads are going to reach you. And it was like, okay, we're going to use this. We still are on Facebook. We'll use anything we can to get our stuff out there. But at a certain point, I just became uncomfortable with like now it's part of the brand that in the sign-off, every episode, I'm saying go to Facebook. And every time you're – yes, you're helping Canada when you do that. But you're, all, you're also like it's a free ad for Facebook. And I don't know. I, I decided to stop doing that just because it just it didn't sit right with me. Let us continue to just go through, go through the the, these, these points here. Um, you said on Metro Morning that every time you criticized Facebook, Facebook complained to the CBC. And CBC says, no, that also is not true. My biggest regret of all that is I didn't say almost every time. Beware, beware the exhaustive completest statement here. Because after the Cambridge Analytica episode, they stopped. Uh-huh. Right? As soon as the tech lash happened, as soon as the tide of public opinion went against them, that's when they stopped. But before that, oh, God, did they ever. They would. And, and think about it from my perspective. When a multi-billion dollar company complains to your supervisors about you, you damn well you feel intimidated. And how would you come to know that they had complained to you? Sometimes they did it directly to me, mm-hmm. right? They, they sent me the email directly. They filled out the form on my website. Other times, CBC people came to me. And usually it was arguing over what I said and arguing over semantics. The biggest one that involved the ombudsperson and a bunch of senior management had to do with a column I did around Facebook's correlation of credit card and loyalty marketing data to track offline purchases. And this was an instance where Facebook had a product for advertisers where if a user saw an ad on Facebook and then went to the store and bought that product... Facebook was in a position to confirm that the purchase was made and charge a premium to the advertiser because they saw the ad on Facebook and then went and bought it in the store. And they achieved this by using credit card and loyalty marketing data in connection with the Facebook user profiles they have to verify that the ad on Facebook resulted in the purchase in store. And if that's true, what, what, how did they complain about you? So Facebook's complaint was, we don't buy credit card and loyalty marketing data. We have a partner company that does that. So from the end user experience, I was right because this is what happened right, to the right, user. Right. And CBC threw me under the bus then. Yeah. Because they were just like, oh, we can't upset Facebook. And oh, you know, we got to keep Facebook happy. 
right? And this is all before a criticism well, hold, of Okay, Facebook. so let's so hold on because now you're talking about CBC's response to their criticism, which is another point where they say you got it wrong because you said on Metro Morning that when Facebook complained about you, CBC management would not stand up for you. How do you know that? I, I would like to see any proof of them standing up for me because I was part of their phone calls. I was part of their process. And it was always them telling me I was wrong. Uh-huh. And in this particular one, because CBC Hamilton transcribed that interview and put it on the web. And then it started being shared, and they had to put a correction at the bottom. And they removed a whole bunch of stuff, which I didn't consent to. I was like, no, I stand by my statement. Like, I feel that what I was right. And they're like, no, it was wrong, blah, 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 blah. So I don't believe that they backed me, no. Now, Metro Morning, as I mentioned on air, they always did. Uh Metro Morning always defended me. Metro Morning always said, Jesse deserves to have a voice on air. I tried looking for the emails I have of all these complaints. And when I put Facebook and CBC in Gmail, I get a ton of false positives. But I did find one particular instance in which I replied to Facebook and I wrote this huge rant, which I didn't end up sending them because my senior producer was like, no, you don't really need to make this fight worse. Yeah. But it was when Facebook was asking that CBC tell Facebook what I'm going to say about Facebook before I go on air. Facebook asked for that? Yes. And I have an email. I I found the email last night in which they're saying, we want you to tell us what Jesse's going to say so that we have a chance to respond before he says it. Wow. I mean, it's a legit, it's, it is legitimate. It's what PR companies do. They can say, if you're going to criticize us, we want a chance to respond. Yeah. They can say that. And then you can have a conversation about like, well, this is an opinion columnist and this is a different thing than a reported piece. And we might do that in a different way. And Metro Morning invited them on like all the time. Metro Morning's like, please come on our right, show. Right, Send right. anyone on our show. That would be never. how you deal with it. That'd be the, the right editorial way. It's like, well, no, an opinion column is not necessarily a place for, you know, uh, and certainly you're not going to have a look at his copy before. Yeah. I mean, that is an absolute no, no. We're not going to send our editorial copy to a private company for approval. No, fuck you. Yeah. But by all means, equal time, come on the air. And and, and you're saying that they, no, they, they, they... They asked Kevin Chan in particular to come on uh-huh. many, many times. Not at all. And uh, we've talked about Kevin Chan, uh, who I think was uh, Ignatieff's right-hand man. And... and Facebook Canada's head of public policy. Yeah, yeah. Do you know David Skoke from The Logic? Yeah, I call them Skoke, but I think it's Skok. Skok. Skok like a sock. Yeah, I didn't want the other thing it rhymes with, so I didn't want to say it. He did a ATI, AT, an ATIP request to CBC about Facebook complaining about me. Aha. Uh-huh. So I'm really curious to see what that yields. But let us continue to look at the CBC's response to your column, because one thing they said, and this is the first thing that caught my eye, is they said that, like, where did Jesse Hirsch go too far? There were a bunch of things that Jesse Hirsch said that were wrong, and then there were places where he went too far. And one place where he went too far is he called for a boycott of Facebook. <laughs> and that's where I looked at my colleague, Kevin, and I said, we just finally heard this thing because Sean Craig got a copy and posted it. I don't think he called for a boycott of Facebook. Did I miss something? Was there and was there a suggestion of a boycott nope. of Facebook? Because nope. the word boycott does not appear in that nope. column. And I'm a Facebook user. And I used Facebook this morning to wish some friends happy birthday. Like, no, I wasn't calling for a boycott. I was calling for an assessment of what CBC's relationship with Facebook is. And in particular, the question of does CBC trust Facebook? And in particular, if I were to clarify my position, I have no problems with CBC shows being on Facebook. Yeah. But I have a problem with CBC buying advertising on Facebook to promote those shows because all of a sudden they're spending money and giving that money to a company that we're learning is maybe not worthy of that financial support. So if CBC wants to use Facebook to reach their audience the way Facebook was designed for without paying for it like the rest of us, that's fine by me. But if CBC is going to have a financial relationship with Facebook... 
I think that should be worthy of debate. And I think the larger issue of what impact CBC's trust of Facebook has had is also worth investigating. All of this stuff is, is is what a technology columnist should be bringing up for discussion. I'll disclose here that we buy advertising on Facebook from time to time. Uh, it's a good way to get people to be aware of our content. Sometimes it's a good way to promote our, our crowdfunding. People don't make decisions about advertising based on, is this a company worth supporting? You ask, is this a good advertiser? I've got an advertising budget to try to get a message out or to try to get conversions. And, you know, is Facebook and Facebook is a an effective place to put that those dollars. But as a private business, I think you have the right to do that. Yeah. As a public broadcaster, I'm not so sure. Yeah. As a public broadcaster, I, I hold them to a higher moral level. The CBC's relationship with Facebook is is you're sort of having these tiers of like, well, I, Jesse Hirsch, have a Facebook account. That's different than buying advertising on Facebook. There are levels higher than that as well. Uh, CBC has formal partnerships with Facebook beyond just a, an advertiser buying some ads. Well, and they've broadcast, like live streamed on Facebook, that, which that, means yeah. that they're telling people to tune into us via this proprietary... Like, you know, we could spend a whole podcast talking about the substance of the research that was connected to that New York Times investigation, that was connected to some of the work that Taylor Owen's doing, that Fenwick McKelvey's doing, yeah. that is, is really interesting. And that's my point, that there's a hypocrisy to me that on the one hand, CBC is having reporting and columnists saying maybe Facebook is a threat to democracy, while at the same time doing business on Facebook and promoting Facebook, which doesn't mean that they have to stop. Hence why I didn't call a boycott. Right. It means maybe we should talk about those two and how they connect. Your your case here, which is like probably to a lot of people like this weird tempest in a teapot of like, I don't live in Toronto. Why am I like, who cares? Some, some call me about Facebook. But all of these swirling issues around CBC and around Facebook, all of that stuff gets brought up through your case. And a problem with the CBC has long been that the Journalistic Standards and Practices book explicitly states that opinion cannot happen. No opinionating allowed. And it was always like, well, except for Rex Murphy and except for before they even had this opinions vertical, you had Neil McDonald. Like you, 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 you had like a, a Michael Enright's essay. And so there was this weird selective thing where these are the rules for everybody but if you – and here you were. They're right when they say that you were providing opinions as contrary to the rule book. And I'm like, hasn't he been doing that every single – like you kind of come on with a tech story. You give the background to a news story and then it's sort of like analysis where you – usually come out with, I mean, you know, it's always couched in this, like, we need to be asking questions, but there's a point of view to it. There's an argument. And specifically, I always try to throw a curveball that no one's expecting. Uh -huh. I make an effort that in the fourth or fifth minute, I say something that no one is expecting me to say. And it's like that, aha, I hadn't thought of that before. All right. So but, let's, let me but call, to your point yeah. about the standards yeah. and practice, All right. in the 25 plus years I was there, I got reprimanded many, many, many times. I was told I wasn't supposed to be political. As a technology columnist, uh -huh. I was told repeatedly, never talk about the CBC, never talk about cbc.ca, never talk about anything related to the company. And I was also always told to stay within the narrow frame of technology versus I use technology as a bridge to talk about business, to talk about culture, to talk about politics. Jesse, in the time- Because technology you, touches everything. In the time that you've been talking about technology, technology has, has bled out of, exactly. of the technology vertical into everything. Yeah. So this is, it's not a new thing. They're right then in saying that you broke the rules and they've said it many times. Yeah. And I never consented to the rules because <laughs> they never actually offered me, like, again, my relationship with the CBC has always been one where they exploit me as a freelancer. Yeah. I have no pension. 
I have no job security. I have nothing to show after these 25 years other than my reputation, which is why I continue to, you know, which they're, not, be... which they're not taking a shot at. Because even though they've reprimanded you many times before, have they ever publicly done so before this? Not as publicly as this. I would say yes in like a s- subtle way. And and when, they, when, when they corrected the transcript or things like that. But so... let's be clear. You're more upset on my behalf than I am. I don't care about this. I, I think this whole episode is silly. Jesse, I'm delighted by this. I don't know what you think. I Look, I, I thank you for being my advocate throughout all this because I wouldn't have said the things you were saying. And every time you said it, I was filled with joy of like, I'm glad Jesse Brown is the gadfly in the media industry that we need. I would have backed off the whole thing because I just am so cynical about CBC management that I knew this was going to happen. I don't take this editorial seriously and I'm happy to go on with my life wherever it takes me rather than be stuck in this silly self-censorship and Canadian uh, <laughs> uh, cowardness, if I were to, to call Okay. It. Well, look, I, I like these moments not because it's a chance to fling dirt at the CBC, as many people think that that's what I'm delighting in. No, I, actually... I like these moments because they illustrate things, right? And it's a chance for me to do my job. When in those early moments, it's like, wow, Jesse Hirsch actually said some shit this morning and we're all waiting for it to go online and it doesn't show up. I'll ask. I asked Matt Galloway, where is it? And he goes, well, you better ask Chuck. Huh, that's interesting. Because, you know, sometimes they could have just not posted it. They don't always post. And they had a busy morning. They had Chief Saunders on. They, they could have left Mike it at stuff. that. They yeah. could have left it at that. So I asked and, and that, that drew from Chuck, I believe, a response of like, we're not going to post it. Because it didn't meet our standards. Well, now that you've said that, you've got to explain why. So then I think they scrambled. Okay, here's why. Then you read the ex- explanation why, and it's like really ludicrous. Because yeah. we all know why. It's because it, I criticized the CBC. So, That's okay, why. let's talk about that. And let's talk about Matt and Metro Morning. And let's talk about that last minute. You're playing a bit of an innocent game here. Like, oh, I always do that. I always throw a curveball at the end. And this was spontaneous. And yet you also say that you were thinking about that one broadcaster. And it's obvious from your sign-off. Because that was after Matt told me, take it where you want. Right. I was putting the pressure on Matt because after they published the journalistic standards response and it was untrue and it was smearing you, I said, wow, this really looks like not just throwing Jesse Hirsch under the bus, but this really calls into question the editorial independence of Metro Morning from management. Because what it really looks like here is that Hirsch has been doing what Hirsch always does. The only difference is that this time, the party being criticized wasn't just Facebook, but also CBC management. And that is why this is different. And they can say he got things wrong, that it's kind of dubious as to whether maybe you can have some little argument about the semantics of that. And they can say that you called for a boycott and we can just say, well, no, he didn't. And they can say things that are true, like he's taken an opinion which he's not allowed to, um, which seems to be a selective uh, application of this rule book. And what you'll never hear them say is what really pissed us off is that he criticized us. If because you criticize them, your column doesn't get posted, if because you criticize management, you don't have a gig there anymore, then what is Metro Morning? Is Metro Morning or is it not a place where people can come and have these discussions? Matt seemed during the segment to be asserting as you said, well, how come we don't have these discussions on CBC? Matt was saying, no, you're having that discussion right here and right now. So I put the question to Matt, what say you about this? This is your guy. This is, you know, not, not just out of like protecting your team, but out of protecting your brand and your show and your show's autonomy. And he, uh, he finally did speak up and he absolutely deferred and demurred. He said, if he broke the rules, that's management's issue. And even if management is demonstrably misrepresenting what you said, Matt seems at this point to, to nope, that's the above my pay grade or, or, or not, my, not my responsibility. 
But the one point that Matt did comment on is that when asked, will you support Jesse Hirsch? He goes, well, I didn't know that Jesse was going to be turning this on the CBC at the end of that segment. I have to give Matt credit. He has defended me consistently. And so that's why I will continue to give him the benefit of the doubt. I will continue to count him as a friend, although I don't know if the opposite is true anymore. I think he feels blindsided by what I did. But at the same time, that's radio. Like, I don't see why I have to give people warning about what I'm going to say, especially if what I'm going to say is pertinent to the topic and relevant to the mandate of public broadcasting. I understand that he has to toe the company line. I understand that the company line is... uh, Does he? If he wants his job, he does. Do you think that's true? Do you think that if he said... If he said, so I know for a fact. Do you fact, think he would lose his job? If I don't know if he you? would lose his job, but I know that it would make his life very difficult. I know that he has been criticized by CBC management for being too critical. I know that he gets a hard time from CBC management for being the Matt Galloway that everyone respects, which is the Matt Galloway who asks hard questions of guests. I know for a fact that while he is given the free reign to do what he does, he has faced criticism. Matt Galloway, when he took that job, was not good at asking hard questions. He got good at it. I think he got good at it because he was encouraged to get good at it and he was trained to get good at it. Uh, I think he got good at it because he's a hardworking guy. Yeah. I, I think that he likes his job. I think he takes his job seriously. And I think like me, he cares about what people, he cares about what the audience thinks. But there are a lot of people at CBC, a lot of managers at CBC who are terrified of critical thinking. Whether that's critical thinking applied to the CBC, whether that's critical thinking applied to Facebook, Google, Sidewalk Labs, you name it. Because... When companies complain to CBC, and oh boy, do they ever, I don't feel that there's a senior manager out there who handles these complaints, who has the courage to stand up to them, who who can say, we're a public broadcaster, and we're not here to kowtow to you corporations. We're here to represent the interests of all Canadians. Like, I know of no CBC manager in a position who could say that, who would say that. Managers don't have that power. Hosts do. It's, it's, it's the one nice thing about the enduring host culture. There are maybe five or six broadcasters who are name brand hosts who carry the brand on their own shoulders and who have the moral authority and who have in the past, you know, and I, I, I Michael Enright, almost as a point of pride, picks one fight with management a year. What is the point of having that position where you can do that if not to make trouble now and then? I I think you're romanticizing it. I think technically you're right, but I think practically, you know, if you got a family, if you got things, there's so many reasons not to shake the boat. Matt's going to lose his job? I don't think he's going to lose his job, but I don't think this is his fight. And Uh I don't think, as, as given that I'm in the center of it, I wouldn't want him to take this fight. But with that said, in the last 48 hours, 72 hours, I've gotten messages from many CBC hosts Mm -hmm. explicitly who say, we're embarrassed by what the company's doing. We support you hundred percent. And we think the senior management have no clue what public broadcasting is. And don't mention my name. Yeah. And with each one of them, I said, and because they all apologize, they all said, I'm sorry, I can't say this publicly. Yeah. And to all of them, I said, I understand. Like, you know, keep up the fight. We need people on the inside who really believe in public broadcasting because we can't just all say, all right, forget about it. I'm out of here. This is why I love this story because this is another one of the swirling issues around this controversy is public broadcasting. You said some things on the air that like I was cheering for when you said an institution like the CBC should be strengthening democracy. We know that Facebook is not just a threat to democracy, but it's like taking positions that are like 
corrosive to democracy. Our government has been warned after buddying up with Facebook and partnering, not just partnering with Facebook on like PR events, but partnering with Facebook on like how to strengthen our democracy. Yes. Karina on Gould. public policy. I mean, it is frightening, yes. the, 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 the connections there. All of that being said, when you were talking about the CBC should be strengthening our democracy, I know that there are certain values of public broadcasting that that I was, should I say, indoctrinated, that I, that I believe to this day that, that were integral to what kind of a broadcaster I continue to consider myself. And even then, there were sort of these two camps, the Zoskiards and the Strasburgians, that you had a strain of public broadcasters who kind of got what public broadcasting is and the privilege of it and the, and the role, and others who, who just like, I work for a big, glossy media company. And that's cool and that's sexy and we're going to compete with other big glossy media wow. companies. And we know that the Sturzberg camp won, right? We know that Sturzberg and then after him, Stewart created a whole new governance model at the CBC, which was basically a carbon copy of the private media companies. And that was the, you know, they forgot about that mandate. They forgot about that philosophy. And yet many of the rank and file at CBC work in that dysfunctional, toxic organization because they believe in public broadcasting and because they believe in a public greater good that they want to serve. Did you go into work that day to get fired? No. Were you going to be leaving anyhow? Maybe. And I say maybe in the sense that I've been very frustrated for a very long time. And I've been frustrated about the inability to say what I want to say. I've never been able to say what I want to say on CBC except for that last minute. You know, frustrated with a feeling that the institution did not support me, even though Metro Morning does. But I kind of feel that Metro... Did. did. They're not supporting you in this, man. They're not uh, they're not supporting There you. are individuals within the unit who have sent me messages that lead me to believe that as individuals, they Who cares? Me. The show is not supporting you. The show is not saying we stand by this content. Fair enough. I cannot dispute your <laughs> assessment of reality. <laughs> but I, I have been disgruntled for a couple of years okay. now. And it goes back to when I lost my syndication gig. Because I used to do almost every morning show across the country. Every week uh -huh. as a regular basis. Did it for eight or nine years. And then I went and did a master's degree at Ryerson on algorithmic media, where I started looking at the research on Facebook. I started looking at the research on all these big platforms. And armed with that peer-reviewed evidence, I started becoming incredibly more critical of these tech companies. I was already critical, but this emboldened me. This gave me the, the courage, based on the research I had done as part of my master's degree, to really hold them to account and to start citing that research as part of my columns. Unfortunately, I was a year ahead of the tech lash. Uh, I was making criticisms of these companies before it was fashionable to do so. They were complaining to CBC. My executive producer at the time, who is now retired, hated that she was having to deal with these complaints, hated that I was getting these kind of complaints, and fired me, got rid of me. And I was really bitter because I thought that because all the CBC hosts liked me, that that would give me the privilege to push the envelope a little. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I was disappeared. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. So my column across the country just disappeared. All these hosts were never informed as to why I left. So they kept sending me messages. What happened? We heard that you quit. We heard that. What? I was like, no, I was told that my services would no longer be needed. And I was shown the door. And so I was upset about that. And that's when Matt defended me. And that's when Matt said, I insist that Jesse Hirsch be our columnist at Metro Morning. Uh -huh. So I felt that was a consolation prize. You know, I lost all the work doing the syndication, which was a big chunk of my livelihood. And then Metro Morning offered me this gig. I was like, okay, fine. You were already on Metro Morning, weren't you? I was already on Metro Morning. 
But then I was off for a couple of months uh-huh. because syndication was paying for me, and Metro Morning didn't. They were have picking any up the syndication. I see. Yeah, and then Metro Morning found money for you. Okay, and and that's when Matt was like, "We need Jesse." His, right. his critical perspectives, which is why I'm still loyal to him because yeah. of that. But I was still disgruntled. Disgruntled is an interesting word. It's a word that's often used to uh, dismiss like anything you say while you're just disgruntled. You're disgruntled. No, for... No, I'm taking responsibility for what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. I mean, disgruntled in that you know, I you harbored know. bad feeling. <laughs> you don't strike me as somebody who was ever gruntled. Um, <laughs> but this is not simply like you got you you lost your job and you're angry. You lost your job because of your content. You yes. lost your job because of what you wanted to talk about. Yes, absolutely. And even then, like, let's be clear. When I was doing syndication, I was regularly told what I couldn't say. And I was regularly told what to say. Like they would do the cue line and then you have to do background for every question in advance. They would often put content in there that I didn't want to talk uh-huh, about, uh-huh. that I was expected to use as my answer. And this is where the whole opinion thing kept being thrown at me, right? That I'm not supposed to put my opinion. I'm supposed to provide commentary that's backed up by all this stuff. And so I, I really started to push back against that. I was like, no, I'm a columnist. I've been doing this for over a decade. I have the respect of my peers. Shouldn't I be able to do commentary? And I kept getting pushback on that. And that's where that conflict then led to me getting booted out of syndication. And I never got over that, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 I, I was definitely still bitter from that. And I just felt that this issue, Facebook, and it just felt like the right time to play that card because I just don't care anymore. Right? Like that was the difference. I was scared for the longest time that I didn't have any other employment, that yeah. I didn't have – I would never get a job anywhere else because who's going to hire a crazy lefty Jew? Like they're far more uh, uh, volatile than you know some wasp <laughs> who's just going to toe the line. So I just assumed I could never work anywhere else. Yeah. And now I'm at a point where if that's the case, okay. So how are you going to make I- a I'm buck? happy. Well, I'm going to write more. Yeah. Like clearly that's the other option. You sound like you're, you're, you're ready to not make yeah. money from the CBC. Yeah. I, I, that's pro- I think you're probably not working there anymore. And I wasn't making really money off Metro Morning. Yeah. Like, that, was, is, that was for kicks. No, but you do for... speaking gigs and that gets your name out there and that gets you the speaking gigs. But and... I can get my name out there on my own. Yeah. The internet exists. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll write more, you know, maybe I'll do a podcast. Right. Like you have always inspired me in that I never had the courage you had to really stand up to the CBC. And and if anything, if I were to, again, say thank you to you, I probably wouldn't have done what I had done had you not blazed that path. Had you not create the credibility that you can be critical of the CBC and not be a right wing nut. That you can be critical of the CBC and love public broadcasting and believe in public broadcasting. So that kind of gave me the template by which I could have my own little rebellion. That is very generous and and uh, uh, inaccurate in that in that uh, the courage that you showed in in saying what you said while on the CBC. My courage came after. That was just luck. <laughs> I was in the right place at the right time. Well, it's it was a lot easier. I you know look, I, I tried to push it while I was there as much as I could, but I my, a full throated critique for the CBC but, did not exit my lips until the door was closed to me. But the, let me <laughs> bring it back to that point about the moral weight of the conversation. Okay, right. Without being alarmist, I do believe we're in pre-authoritarian times, that unless we really look at democracy and really strengthen it, that we're going to lose it. And whether it's Facebook, whether it's, you know, uh, the panopticon of surveillance technology being developed in China, or whether it's just the rise of strongmen around the world, I want to be on the right side of history. I want, you know, my kids, my grandkids, I want people to look back at this point in time when the robots were rising to say that 
we stood up and we said, wait a minute, guys, maybe we should look at this. And that was also why I said, I'm picking this time and this issue. Because that's why I'm pissed off at the CBC. Because selling new gadgets in an era of concentration of wealth and surveillance and violation of privacy is beyond irresponsible. We need to be having these public conversations. So I was happy to poke the CBC and see if they're ready to do it. And if they're not, forget about it. So what's the next Jesse Hirsch, unbridled and, and uh, un, uh, unfettered by CBC journalistic standards practices? And uh, it sounds like you've been bottling up a lot of things. I, I have to admit, one of the lessons I've derived from the last three days is I should be uh, evoking my inner Lewis Black. Like clearly rants are something that I enjoy doing on an emotional level. And I think properly framed can be entertaining. But no, I think I'm going to be writing more and I'm going to focus on public policy. I really feel that artificial intelligence, that uh, uh, digital platforms, targeted advertising is where the biggest public policy gap is. It's where I think I can do the most work as a researcher and a writer. I don't actually expect any government to listen to me. It sounds like you'll be playing to a much smaller audience than you were on Metro Morning. (laughs) But again, I kind of feel I'm going to be on the right side of history. I almost made a mistake on that CBC column. I almost started ranting against Doug Ford. Right? And I'm glad I didn't. No, you that made it too easy for them. Yeah, and that would have discredited me. But when I look at the Ontario election, I see that less than 20% of the residents of Ontario voted for Doug Ford. Mm-hmm. Right, And Doug Ford won the PC leadership because Tanya Granick-Allen mobilized a ton of voters into the party who then picked Ford as their second choice. So if we talk about Facebook, if we talk about the political effect of Facebook, the result is Doug Ford, who I consider to be an authoritarian. Wait a second. You're doing it to me. It's like the last minute of this interview. You're doing it to me. <laughs> Jesse, it's thank you. It's an instinct you. I have. Jesse's our tech columnist. How does, how does Galloway say it? What's, <laughs> what's the sign off? Oh, it does different every time. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jesse. Hey, that was your Canada Land. I hope you liked it. You can email me about it. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send me. We are on Twitter at Canada Land, and our website is canadalandshow.com. The last episode of our series, Thunder Bay, is out today. Give it a listen. Also, a new episode of Commons comes out this week. If you have not been listening to Archie Mann's run on Commons, where he's been dedicating this whole season to corruption in Canada, uh, you've been missing out, because this is a fantastic series. It is so well told. It is exciting. It is jaw-dropping. Check out Commons. Today's episode was produced by Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash Canada Land. You can get ad-free podcasts when you do. <laughs>